I want to share with you guys about one of the most troubling aspects of the Christian life. Why we sin. God has called us to holiness, so why do we continue to sin? God has made it obvious what he wants us to do with our life, but we continue to sin. We continue to break his commands. Why do we do this? Even Paul himself said, I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. Wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? So if Paul himself never got past sin, I think it's something we're going to be dealing with for the rest of our life. So today, I want to look at who we are, our nature. I want to look at why we sin and how we can move more towards holiness and becoming more like Christ. But before we dive into that, I want to explain a few things first. So first of all, our salvation is a process. And I have an entire video about this, so I'm not going to go in depth today, but I just want to remind you that our salvation has three parts. So first, is justification. That's when we become born again, when we receive the Holy Spirit, when our life begins changing, and when our sin is completely forgiven. That is the instantaneous process of justification. So then for the rest of our life, our process is sanctification. This means becoming more holy, becoming like Christ, removing sin and letting the Holy Spirit live through us and living like Christ. This is what we're talking about today. We're talking about the process of sanctification for believers. But then one day when we pass on and when, when Christ comes back, that's when we're going to have glorification, when we're going to have no more sin and we're going to be with God forever, but that's not going to happen in this life. So again, today we're going to talk about sanctification. And I want to say that there are two categories of sin, two types of sin we can do in our life. The first is sins of omission. And this is not doing the things that we are called to do. And the second type of sin is commission. And this means doing the things that we are called not to do. So omission. So things that we are called to do. We are called to pray. We're called to worship God. We're called to share our faith and help others. So not doing any of those things is a sin of omission. But the, the, but doing things that God has called us not to do, murder, lying, any sexual sin, those are sins of commission, doing things that we're called not to do. So we're, we're going to talk sort of about both of those today, but I want you to know that there is a distinction between doing and what we do and we do, what we don't do that are both types of sin. So first, I want to talk about who we are. I want to talk about our layers as people. We have different, uh, different layers, different levels of who we are. We have things that are sort of on the outside. And then we have things that are more into our core, the core of our being. So let's talk about this. So in our very innermost part, in our very core, that's our heart. And that includes our beliefs, what we know to be true. It includes our worldview, what we think are the, pers uh, are the priorities and the perspective of our life, our personality. Are we uh, more introverted? Do we like being by ourselves, or are we more extroverted? Do we like being around people? Do we like to talk, to be quiet? Do we like big groups, small groups? Any aspect of our personality and our preference, that comes from our heart. And it also includes our wisdom, our, our knowledge, plus our experience, 
and just the things we know to be true and even presuppositions, things that we can't necessarily put into words, but things that we nevertheless believe are true. These are the things that are in our heart, the very core of our being. And to put this really simple, you might call this who we are and what we know. That defines our heart. The next layer of our being is our desires. And these come as an overflow. They come directly as a result of what's in our heart. So then it comes out as our desires. Some people would call this our mind. So within this, there are two types of desires that we have. So we have desires that are godly, and desires that are ungodly. So we have things we want that are from God, and we have things that we want that are just from ourself and that are evil. So when we look at this, our ungodly desires are what we would call temptations, and these push us towards sin. Now we know that just a temptation is not sin because Jesus himself was tempted by the devil. So temptations are not sin, but these are our ungodly desires, which push us towards putting it into practice, which pushing, pushing us towards committing sins. Now, these are different for all of us. Something we're, we're all going to have a unique set of ungodly desires. And so a unique set of things, which are temptations for each of us that we all need to fight against. And so along with this, we have godly desires and those push us towards pursuing God's will and serving him. So the godly desires push us towards holiness. It pushes us towards making a difference, helping others, and just serving God in all the different ways that he has called us to serve him. So our desires then overflow to the third and final part of our being that we're going to talk about, and that's our actions. These are the things that we put into practice, and these all work together. So what's in our heart becomes our desires and what what are what, what are in our desires eventually if they're not kept in check will become our actions they will be put into practice in our life so and when we put this into practice when we commit sin this causes hurt confusion destruction and regret it leads to bad, bad things when we follow the enemy and when we follow our flesh. It leads to bad things. Uh, James 1, he says, Each person is tempted when they are lured and enticed by their own evil desires. This desire, when it is conceived, gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. So we need to check ourselves and make sure we have godly desires so that we can stay away from sin. Because the opposite of that is holiness. And holiness leads to love, joy, peace, and the strengthening of God's kingdom, us helping others. So because all of these things filter down and up from each other, I want to take a look a little bit further at the battle for our heart. So I just want to look at, at within our own heart how we, how this battle is going within our very soul. So first, Jeremiah 17 says the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. So if anyone ever tells you to follow your heart, you need to be very careful about following any advice from someone who would tell you to follow your heart because the Bible says that the heart is deceitful and sick and wicked. But then the opposite of this is also true. 
Ezekiel 36 says, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. So God says that he will take our, our deceitful, evil heart and replace it with a new heart, which is the very spirit, the spirit of God, which will live within us. And so something we need to really remember is that whichever desires are put into action, reinforce what is in our heart. So our heart goes one way or the other. And then our desires are either godly or ungodly. And then it cycles back. If you put ungodly action, if you do ungodly actions, then that will reinforce the ungodly things that are within our heart. But if we put godly actions, holiness into practice, then that will strengthen and reinforce the godly things which are within our heart. So I want to share with you guys a story. There's an ancient, there's an old uh, Native American proverb or parable where uh, it talks about a young man, maybe 12 years old, who has made a bad decision and it's hurt himself and hurt others. But then uh, his grandfather comes to talk to him and he shares with him that there, the story that there are two wolves which live within us. One wolf, uh, they are constantly at battle through our life. One wolf is evil and pushes us towards doing bad things and one wolf is good, which encourages us to do good things. And that it's a constant battle throughout our life, which of these wolves will, will, will shine forth and cause the actions in our life. And the young boy says, well, which wolf wins? And the, and the grandfather says, whichever wolf you feed. So it's the same thing. Whichever wolf is stronger is the one that's more well-fed. So whichever of our desires whether godly or ungodly, we put into practice, that's the one that's going to be stronger. That's the one that's going to win. Now, of course, we know that uh, in the Bible, it's not called wolves, but rather we know that it's our flesh versus the Holy Spirit. So it's our flesh within us versus the Holy Spirit that lives within us that are always battling. And whichever one we feed, Whichever one we put into practice will be the one that is true in our heart, and it's the one that's just going to win in our life on this earth. So even Jesus himself said that the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. So these things are always in battle in our life. And again, we always are either cycling down towards sin or cycling upward towards godliness. So if you have evil in your heart and you have evil desires, it causes you to do evil actions, which causes you to have more evil in your heart and then just more desires, more action. And we just spiral downward and downward and downward. But the same is also true. When, the, when you look at the good in your heart, the Holy Spirit, and follow him, and have good desires that lead you to help God and do what's right. It strengthens your heart. And so we, we just do better and better positive actions. The more and more we follow the Holy Spirit, the easier it is to live for him. So we, we need to be careful within ourselves because we're always either cycling down or cycling up with our thoughts, our heart, and our actions. So we need to be aware that they all work together. Now, I think within most of us, we have a tendency, even with preachers, I hear people talking about this too often. We focus our attention on simply not sinning and forget that our having our heart uh, changed is far more effective in becoming holy. Yes, of course, we need to focus on not sinning, but we need to focus even more on the, the th final thing we're going to talk about today, which is ha changing our heart. Having our uh, the fresh, clean, new heart, which makes us have more godly desires 
desires and have more and more godly actions. We need to focus for the, uh, for, on changing our heart. So we need to remember that our ungodly desires are almost always a distorted shadow of godly desires. So if you look at your evil or most ungodly things, there is a root and a, a way that they can be changed, tweaked to be positive. So within our life, even our most evil desires are close to godliness and holiness. They're, they're just a, a small change away from being truly godly. So when I want to look at some examples of this. So even within, uh, within us, there are three driving factors that drive us to sin. Now, this is true. Even, even police officers in the world know this to be true. When they're looking for uh, motives to commit a crime, there are three things they look at. They look at who is motivated by these three factors to commit that crime, and it's the same thing with the sin in our lives. We are driven by money, power, and sex. So each of those can lead towards terrible destruction, but they also have a godly good root within them if they're tweaked just a little bit. So I want to take a minute to look at each of these. So even within money, we know that money itself is not evil, but loving money and making it a priority over other things is bad. But we know that, that, that money can be a good thing to have resources, to have time, to have your own abilities, and even just to have security and stability in your life. All of those things are good, godly desires. And I love to tell people that I wouldn't be able to do my ministry and I wouldn't be able to travel around the world sharing the good news of Jesus Christ if it weren't for people, my friends and others who support us, who have money and give so that we can continue doing this ministry. Uh, I like to say that we, we are called to walk by faith, but the airlines ask for money. So we wouldn't be able to travel and share the gospel if we didn't have money. So money is, is, is neutral. It's not bad. It's not good. So it can be used for bad things, and it also can be used for great things. So just we need to be sure that our money is being used in a godly way. Even power. We don't want to control others and push them down. But the good part is that we do want to positively influence others. This is discipleship. This is encouraging people. We absolutely, as believers, are called to have this power uh, through our lives to positively influence others. And even sex, which is you know frowned upon and so negatively talked about by so many people. But sex is driven by good, positive godly desires. So with the, the, the um, emotional part of sex is that we are des we, we have a desire for connectedness, for intimacy, to have those, those, those relationships and connections with those around us. That is a good godly thing that helps us to stay connected and to positively influence others. So we absolutely should be connected through discipleship. And even the first command that God gave was to, for, for Adam and Eve to be fruitful and multiply. So spreading uh, the, the human race and just having children is a good, beneficial, godly desire when it's done in the right way. So even uh, sex, of course it can have bad desires, but there are some really good, godly desires that, that, that sex can fulfill as well when it's done the right way, the right time, the right place, and with the right person. 
So along with all of this, when, when, we, when we're trying to look at all of our evil desires and looking at how to turn them, to tweak them, and help them to become godly desires, if we can just remove selfishness and pride, almost all evil desires become holy. If we just remove those two things, our selfishness and our pride, then almost all of our desires will instantly become holy, good, godly desires. Now, of course, the problem is that this is so much easier to say than to do because our selfishness and our pride run into our heart. It, it just it, they, they get into the core of our being and it's so, so difficult to eradicate, to remove those things from our life. This is a lifelong process that we will continue until we are with God for eternity. But again, just look at your selfishness and pride. And if you remove that, your almost all of your desires are going to be healthy. Now, how do we do this? Of course, it's, it's easier to say than to do. But a good focus is to have joy, to make this the priority of our life, to have Jesus as the top priority, to have others, anyone else, everyone else as our next priority. And then finally, to put ourselves last. J-O-Y, Jesus, others, and yourself. If you remember that and put it into practice in your life, you will have joy and you also will have holiness and you will follow Christ and do all the things that God has asked us to do. Now, I want to close by sharing three passages of, of scripture that really sort of uh, round this out and help us just to see a better perspective. So maybe my favorite passage for this is John 10:10, where Jesus himself says that the devil comes to steal kill and destroy, but that I have come that you would have abundant life. When we truly believe this in our heart, when our innermost being, when we truly believe that following the devil and following our flesh leads to destruction, but then following Jesus leads to abundant life, when that's what we believe in our heart, it makes it so much easier to say no to sin and to follow God and to have godly desires if we can just truly, truly believe this. And a passage of scripture that I believe really does a great job of summarizing everything that's been said is Titus 2, where Paul says, The grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions, and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age, waiting for our blessed hope and appearing at the, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. So again, that's a great summary of all it means to turn from sin and to trust and follow Christ and to become more and more holy. Now, finally, I want to share Psalm 139, which I, where I believe the, the psalmist uh, leads a great prayer, a way that we can pray to God for this to happen in our life. He says, search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Search my heart and my desires 
and remove anything that is not uh, in, in your way and your will. I just thank you so much for listening. I hope that this was a blessing and really helped you to look at your life and to see what sin and what desires are there and just how you can give that to God and let him live through you. I just, again, thank you for listening. I pray that God blesses you and your family. If you'd like to hear more about how to put your faith into practice, I hope you'll look at our other videos and like, subscribe, and follow to this page because we have a lot more to share. God bless.